Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. For BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich to celebrate the 150th anniversary of BF Goodrich. Get up to $150 cash back when you purchase four or more passenger or SUV tyres. Aaron Habgood and Patrick Dangerfield joining you as always to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning, Redmond. Welcome back, Patrick. It's uh, <laughs> it's nice to uh, not be on a, a computer screen, to be honest with you. How much easier is it doing oh. radio? And our COVID one- safe, obviously. COVID safe. And our wonderful producer, Joel Brooks, who's done an incredible job uh, piecing together yep. The show each and every week, but when it's from different locations, it's over the phone at different stages. It's using mics plugged in into computers. This is a fair bit more enjoyable, a fair bit more fun. So let's get straight into it. And <laughs> I think Brooks is going to be very pleased <laughs> putting this one together. And your week in fishing? Ah, uh, it's been a cracking week with temperature and fish, Pat. It's uh it's really starting to heat up, and I know. Let's just say you've walked into, you've walked back into Victoria in the easiest part of we've experienced for the last dozen months. <laughs> easiest, mate. I am that sick of wearing. Oh, mate. don't even start I'm, I'm with not, the rubbish. I'm not joking. Dude, it's, this will be good. It's been five days or whatever it's been a week, <clears> and I am so sick of wearing a mask. And I can't complain to anyone because you poor buggers have been doing it for five months. Jeez, it's annoying. It is ridiculous. <laughs> it is so annoying. Pat, you've been able to... I know you've been in a hub up there, but at least you could go for a fish up there. Like, Melburnians haven't even been able to leave their house for five kilometres for a period of time. Well, you should have done the right thing, like uh, beautiful WASA, New South Wales, and, of course, myself, a <laughs> Queenslander now. <laughs> You can actually go back there, to be honest with you. No, back to the fishing, because you're annoying me with that comment. We, um, It's been good. The snapper is starting to fire up. Bloody Victorian. <laughs> the snapper, you would have trade the Gold Coast. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be your manager. I, I'll tell you, I reckon there'll be a few extra that will go to the Gold Coast from now on, because after spending time up there, it's like, you know what? Bugger the winter. Winter up there is 23. Melbourne's beautiful. Good. Do you know those movies that, like, you go, they go back to, like, a place that's been like deserted for 20 years. <laughs> Melbourne's going to be that in the next six months probably. Mate, I'm not joking. When I came into the airport, I thought it was like a scene out of The Walking Dead. Oh, there was no one there. There was no one there and there was a few police. That's it. There was It was a ghost town. It was... It was really morbid. It was quite concerning. What, how did you How did you fly in? Like obviously with a plane, but you fly in, do you have to... Did you have to do anything COVID-wise? Like, do you... Yeah, well, you have to... You sort of say where you're going, all the... Almost whatever it is, border security, police are there. They had like semi-automatic machine guns. 
<laughs> George, George is destructive and he's not that bad. He's got a T-Rex with him. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a great point. We, we did travel with a few T-Rexes and dinosaurs. Well, you've come back in the brightest part uh, the brightest part of COVID that we've had experience for a period of time now, Pat. And like I said, Snapper have heated up in the bay. They are starting to really kick off. Clifton Springs area in Port Phillip Bay firing. Western Port firing. Top of Altona, we spoke about last week, firing. I'm going to do a bit more looking around the bottom Sort of like Carum, Mornington area, Frankston in the next uh, couple of days to week. I'll uh, have a look through there. And you're still being really mindful of the tides, like when, like that's obviously when <coughs> you're you're picking your times to go out. It's not dawn well, or dusk. It's sun. It's, it, it, no, it's pretty much sunrise sunset for me. It's um, snappers sunrise sunset. And Pat, you have generally we'll talk on an average day. You have four tides in a day, so you, you quite often can get a tide around around that dark period of time, which gives you two bite times, which, for example, if it's at 6 o'clock, the tide, that's a bite time, and then you've got the sun falling too, which is a bite time. And also, if you've got a tide at 8.30 in the morning, you get there at sunrise or just before you fish that bite time, then you've got the tide at, what I said, 8.30, that's another bite time. And snappers on everyone's minds. Um, one thing I'm a little bit... I don't. I really don't enjoy eating snapper. I honestly don't. I'd, I'm not sure about you. It's not... I release most of my fish... I get a couple of fish I usually keep because I do have friends and family who really enjoy eating it. Like I keep a lot of whiting, but I eat it three days a week and I share it with family and friends. But eating wise on the snapper, do you, the bigger they get, they're not they're not as good as the smaller ones. Do you find that too? Well, that's always been my reason yeah. why I don't like catching those really big snappers. Like, <laughs> no, I far prefer a. 47. <laughs> That's because you it, can't catch a big one. <laughs> it's actually, well, that part is true. <laughs> but what is also true is that I strongly believe a 40 centimetre snapper is 10 times better tasting it than, is. than a 70 or 80 centimetre. I don't enjoy it. The only time I sort of eat a snapper is more when you have an event, I guess you could say, which we haven't done for a long time. But if, uh, if you have mean? a. You're angry and you're. snapper. <laughs> Well, you get 10 people together, you can put a five kilo snapper on the table and everyone can pick at it. Gotcha. Yeah, and that is beautiful. Actually. But yeah. I, I, I tend to eat the chips with the Doritos and the, the Cabana next to it. But now, I've always been one to wrap it in foil and bake it. Yeah. And then what you do, little tip at the end of it, is when you wrap in the foil, take it off for the last five minutes either side and it will crisp up the skin on the outside. It's a good little cooking tip there. One of the questions that we continue to be um, asked about in regards to game fish and tuna, when are they going to start making their way down? We've seen them um, spasmodically along the um, New South Wales seaboard. Obviously, it's, it's November's a, a hit and miss month when it comes to, to game fish up there. When are we likely to see those fish? Because they're, we strongly believe um, they're here all year round, Redmond. But in terms of really good numbers... What temperatures are we waiting for before we get a report from Gwaine Blake saying, you know, they're at the head of the, they're, you know, close to Western Port or whatever it might be? That question is, I don't think really anyone's going to know that answer for, uh, to be honest with you. We're going to see Portland down the bottom end of the uh, southwest corner of Victoria. That's going to start firing up with your, your school bluefin, and they are terrific school bluefin. I'm not talking five to eight kilo little jelly bean. I'm talking 30 plus kilo, and they're going to be mixed uh, uh, mixed in with the kingfish around that Portland North Shore area. Uh, they'll sort of happen... No, it's not far away, to be honest with you. It's it's literally December. You're going to start seeing the captures of that. Around the 
bottom end of uh, Port Phillip Bay heads into Western Port heads outside of there. Gwaine will start targeting the kingfish pretty soon, I imagine. And once that water temp gets in the ocean, the water's still quite cold. We haven't had the currents run down yet. So we're only talking 14 in the ocean. Once that gets up above 17, 18, Gwaine will be out there searching for his kingfish. I'm looking forward to having Gwaine on next week. Uh, every second week. Mm. Yep. So he's going to start to give us reports ongoing for the rest of, I was going to say, the rest of the year. There's not too much of the year left, but, <laughs> but ongoing into next I year. I can't wait till this year's done. Gwaine is joining us every second week to give us reports from right around Victoria which is great to see. Uh, yep, and those tuna that arrived outside of the Port Phillip Bay heads last year, and don't get me wrong, we have caught tuna here for a long time. I charter fished years ago, and we have the odd bluefin turn up. But one thing that I know, those tuna that you've got out the front of your house off out of Aries there, Pat, down that way, it's uh, you get spasmodic schools that come down and get them, but last year was different. It was tuna in plague proportions. I'm talking was, was just footy fields of tuna just everywhere you drove. Yes, they were hard at times to attempt to eat, but they, you could still get them. So it's depending what... I've got no idea what's going to happen on that front, if that was sort of where you're directing that question. But up the New South Wales coast, Pat, the marlin, they're, they're starting to see some fish being caught up along the, the coast there. And uh, of, 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 I think it's out top of sort of Coffs Harbour up that way. And once the currents form, the updwelling, the downdwelling starts to sort there, sort it out properly with all the nutrients that get pushed up, you're going to start to see the marlin increase more and more. And you're looking at sort of that Christmas period time. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be targeting the marlin this year uh, to get out of Vic. But it's uh, it's uh, it's going to be a cracking marlin season. I'm hoping with just – I'm just looking – that's me thinking positive. So last year was good. And if we follow the moon patterns and the, and the water temperature by using rip charts – and I've reviewed it over the past years of doing this show. Rip charts is a fantastic platform – to get exactly what you need to find the marlin up the New South Wales coast. And there's a few yellow tuna, yellowfin tuna kicking about at the moment. Uh, I know a couple, I think it was down at Eden, there was a couple caught, and up at Batesman Bay, there was a couple of yellowfins caught. And don't get me wrong, there might be the odd bluefin out there as well. So it's it's everything's going to start to really kick into gear uh, in the next month or so regarding game fishing, tuna at Portland, uh, kingfish outside Port Phillip Bay Heads and also uh, down at Marlow Way to East Gippsland where the fire affected areas and COVID we need to get down there as well I know you and I are planning to head down there very very soon in the next couple of weeks we're going to head down there and the gummy sharks off Lake's entrance, the snapper are down at Porsche Wel- Port Welshpool. You've got Inverloch, which is on the other side of Western Port as well. I know that's not fire uh, affected as much, but it's another great place to go and target big, big snapper. So exciting few months to, to come, Pat, for on the, on the fishing front. That is your week in fishing. Into a bit of fishing and boating news now. Uh, Seven, the maker of the world's most powerful outboard engine, is set to close. Seven Marine. Seven Marine, yep. So we spoke about this a couple of years ago now when Volvo Penta acquired Seven Marine. Um, And there's been a media release basically stipulating um, that it no longer fits within their strategy of creating environmentally sustainable engines for marine applications. That was the... um, I suppose, the release. And I found it somewhat peculiar because I could have told you that and I don't know, you know, clearly as much as what You're not a scientist. (laughs) But but when it comes to environmentally um, efficient engines, that was never ever Seven Marines, um, you know, one would. It was about building the biggest outboards you could possibly imagine to make boats go as fast as they possibly could. So a huge investment initially by Volvo Penta, which we thought they were going to head in that outboard engine development realm. 
it's clearly been uh, put on hold. Volvo Penta had this to say. Volvo Penta will stop sales and marketing of seven marine engines from January 1, 2021, as well as phasing out production once customer demand is met. That was um, posted to their uh, website, the Swedish company's website. Um, They did, however, say they'll continue to support the current outboard customers, um, providing full uh, warranties and parts responsible for the products uh, that are out on the field at the moment. So if anyone's actually bought a uh, seven outboard, then they'll continue to service it. It is it is an interesting play though after spending a huge amount of money on it. <laughs> looking, we thought, yep, this is where Volvo Pen is going to go. The bigger boats are getting and people are more inclined to, particularly in the US, but it's starting to come out to Australia as well. Um, they're inclined to you know, power them with outboards. Clearly, it's not the the way that Volvo is going to go. So, a huge investment that has gone up in smoke. You just wonder how much um, influence COVID has had over that Redmond, and whether it's going to be ongoing. It's just shut it down for a few years and then, you know, look. Well, it says put on hold. So, put on hold. Will be. It'll be interesting to see what they actually do because they're they're trying to have emission free by two thousand and fifty. I'm pretty sure it says in that article as well. So. And they've gone out like they've. I was reading the other day about um, their cars, and they're talking about diesel engines, and they're going to cease all manufacturing of diesel engines after twenty twenty one or might might be twenty twenty two, but because they're going to the hybrid model of petrol hybrid, um, cheaper to run, um, and obviously easier to in terms of the compatibility with the hybrid engine. So. It'll be interesting to see where the marine industry goes as we continue to, you know, adopt more I mean, eco-friendly technologies. I'd love it if they designed an engine that ran off water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd, I'd It'd be so much cheaper for me. Imagine that, just you tap out the front and just fill it up. And <laughs> we've got a huge, we've got a huge show of real adventures coming your way. Make sure you're joining the conversation. Uh, download our free app that is available on the App Store. Um, for your chance to win a Dometic CFX3 Ice Maker model. They're an absolute... I think we've got seven or eight left, I think. We do. So send in your questions, uh, and each and every week we are giving away one. Up next, Stephen Napoli joins us from Able Fishing Charters. We're also going to talk a bit about... A few weeks ago, Redmond, you can find this um, in uh, the App Store for all our podcast shows. We talked about... Do we need more launching facilities or do we need to update some of the facilities that we've got? Steve's got a view on that as well. Up next, The Social Club. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge. And don't forget to download the new Real Adventures app. It has all our latest podcasts, fishing news, tips and recipes. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge, celebrating 150 years. Welcome back to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge celebrating 150 years. It's time for the social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot us in and better yet, download our Real Adventures app, ask a question and you could win a Dometic CFX3 Ice Maker model. We're giving away one every week right up until Christmas and one of the next three questions will be a winner. When we announce the winner, I want you with the excitement of your welcome back at the start then. Your welcome back then was very excitable. Well, I'm excited, mate. I'm excited well, to be back. That's and, how you're going to announce and, the winner. And seeing you <laughs> and being able to 
sort of talk to your face. You're only to happy because I dropped your fish off. That's the only reason. And that, that, you know that's all part of it. <laughs> First uh. question is from Jonathan Escott. With the chaos of snapper season, do you find sounding away from the boat traffic would give a better chance of landing fish? Great question. That's a really good question because the amount of boats that have been fishing on top of each other up at Black Rock and that Marine Park incident, I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds of boats on top of each other. Like you can't even cast a line out. And yes, they were all catching fish. Oh, they, they, a, lot, a lot of them were catching fish. But you won't see me there. You, you will not see me there. Go to an area, put your sounder on, and start looking. The fish don't sit in one spot. There's so many artificial dumps out there from... Uh, fisheries. There's also <laughs> ones that people have put there themselves. There are hundreds of them and out you, there. You can't say that, you'd be shot. <laughs> There's lots out there. Uh, if you can use your sander and find structure, fish will always end up coming back to structure. And it's about using your equipment to, your be- to, to the best ability it has best benefit to, you. Yep. To, to benefit yourself. And don't get me wrong, you'll find fish on the mud on your sonar that will, you'll mark them up and they'll have some of the best sessions you'll find. But you need to utilize your equipment. I, I can't harp on it enough because if you don't have, if you don't use that, you're fishing blind, let's be honest. I can see what's pretty much under my boat. It's just like, I don't know. It's it just people. I know so many people that just go out there and throw an anchor out because they've seen a pack of boats. Those boats might be on top of that fish. That's the three boats might have the fish behind them, but you're 20 meters to the other side of them, and there's going to be no snapper there. So, fish, use your sounder. If you're on the mud, mark up two or three fish, and you'll be surprised that there's a whole school could be there. Do a couple of passes over that area, and you'll be shocked. A little bit of burly. I don't burly a lot, but a little bit. If you can find structure, now a good way to talk about that, Pat, is you might head out and do the groundwork of sanding on the mud to find fish. You've got a mark where you know that there's structure there that you might have sounded over or you might have given 20 minutes. You marked up fish, they didn't go. You move off it for the mud to have a look for some fish. You might find some fish. If they don't go, just before sunset, and it's just before sunset head back to that structure because they might go as that sun goes down. So I can't harp enough about structure. It's a great place to fish because fish will always go, go to the structure at some point. But the mud is also a, a place to, to start looking. And like I said, away from boats is definitely my answer. I, I, uh, I don't like fishing where there's too many boats on top of each other. Uh, the next question is for yourself, Patrick, from Gary. Are self-draining decks a no-brainer or is there more than meets the eye? Well, they're a no-brainer if you like keeping things clean, but you're not necessarily worried about falling out of your boat <laughs> if, you're, if you're fishing in the southern seas. Um, we've, we've actually been asked this question a fair bit because I suppose if you've never been into fishing and you see a boat that if water comes on the deck, it just washes straight off, why wouldn't you choose that above uh, a boat that – Everything drains into the the underfloor catchment. The reason is, which is mine's full of pippies right now. <laughs> <laughs> the reason is the depth of which you're able to fish if you don't have a self-draining deck. So you're able to you obviously sit lower in the boat, but what it means is it's it's certainly safer, especially when you're you're chasing those really big fish in the southern seas, Redmond, where the you know let's be honest, the the swell can change in a matter of mis- uh, minutes and the, the conditions can change really quickly. So it's certainly safer fishing from a boat where the, the centre of gravity is lower because the deck height is lower. Yeah, to, like you said, and it comes down to your boats as well, what style of boat you have too. Because like, majority so of not, plate boats have self-draining decks. Uh, yeah, and also you've, at the height you're sitting as well, You got I know there's certain measurements you've got to have to have self-draining decks and the likes, but like I had, I worked on a, on a 20, uh, what, a 20, it was... 
36-foot Stebercraft, and uh, I worked on one of them for a long time, and they were a beautiful boat, and that was a self-draining jack as my charter boat. It just made sense, but the drama with it was, like, it was along the sides too. The scuppers are on the sides. Yeah. Water just constantly coming in and, in and saturating out. you is a pain in the backside, but for the charter purpose, law as well, it was required, and you sort of needed it. But for my boat, my little six-meter... If it's law, it makes sense. Yeah, it's law. <laughs> well, does it? <laughs> but it's... Um, it's for my little six metre, I'm not going to put that in the boat. I'm not going to put self-draining deck in the boat. I've got a big enough bilge pump that pumps so many litres out in a minute. But I had the same option with the 750. You can go Did you? What did you do? No, I didn't do it. Yeah, you didn't. I'd, no. I'd, not, not for where we fish down no, here. No, I don't think it's... Bigger boats and marlin boats and the likes, you're 100%, you're copping a lot of water. Even little... You're not going to be backing up into little... We're going to talk about that, actually. Let's talk about that next, backing up into a little bit of slot, Pat. We'll cover that. But, yeah, it depends on the style of fishing, the boat you have and what you do. It's almost like you've read the rundown talking about just driving back into swell. Uh, (laughs) Travis Corner. Boys, love the podcast. When using twin hook snelled rig for snapper, do you use circle or J hooks? I use circle hooks all the time. Um, J hooks are designed to kill as such circle hooks are more designed to conserve uh, regarding where the fish gets hooked J hook can hook them anywhere in the guts where a circle hook goes down in its mouth comes out rolls into the corner of the, the jaw most of the time doesn't happen every time but it happens a lot of the time but um, what about uh, hooking up your fish what's a greater chance or are they much for a much I prefer I've just I very rarely miss fish. I, I have a direct contact with braid. I don't use mono in the bay. Mono, I can't stand. It's nearly up there with my uh, with my most hate, most f- my favourite colour for a squidgic. <laughs> but uh, it, um, yeah. Oh, you can. You don't get me wrong. There's probably eighty. What's that? Spoiler alert. Aaron doesn't prefer <laughs> any colour when it comes to squidgies. No, I don't. I haven't taken this, had the same one on for the last few months, and I've caught lots of squid. Anyway, we won't talk about that. It's a soft spot. But it's um. I've used circle hooks. Oh, to be honest with you, it's probably 50-50 on circles versus jays. The charter boats use jays. A lot of them do. I use circles. You can use whatever you prefer and whatever you have the most success with. But the Gamma 6.0 circle, for me, if I was using a straight, I'd probably drop down to a size 4 to do with the size a 4.0 to do with the size of the gape of the hook. So for a circle hook, for example, it obviously rolls in on itself, Pat. Uh, so you lose a little bit of the gape there, hence why I go to a 6.0 circle. You can even go up to a 7.0 if you're trying to get bigger fish. Uh, but for the for the uh, it's quite a big jump from a six O gamma to a seven O in the size itself. So six O's are definitely the prime size for me. And with the like I said, with the, just a normal uh, J hook, for example, uh, uh, I'd be going four O maximum five O because you can just pin them rather than you don't need a six O because they're just getting real big and the gape's massive on them. Depends what size fish you want to catch. You know what Travis has just done? What's up? He's just won himself a Dometic Surfex three ice maker model. I'll tell you what, the missus is going to be happy. That's you like that question? Nearly 1600 bucks worth of uh, worth of fridge. Just because you got Mike 1 now, I don't mean you choose who wins. How good is that? <laughs> Congratulations, Travis. That is how easy it is, guys. Simply send in your questions to our Real Adventures Social Club via our Real Adventures app. So all you do is download it. It's free in the download store. How does Travis get a hold of us? Uh, he can just contact us through the app again. Through the app, done. And there we go. He's won himself a beautiful Dometic CFX-3. Now, when chasing down uh, marlin in small trailer boats, Redmond, Mm -hmm. um, what are the keys to driving your boat with the fish on and where do you want to position the fighting angler and where do you want to position the fish that's about 200 metres away from that fighting angler with a line that is just 
rearing through every swell in every direction imaginable. So we're chasing with a small boats, big fish. What are the keys to driving your boat? Because let's be honest, you can't just sit there <laughs> in, in the chair and just think, all right, I'm going to bring that fish in when it's soaring off a million miles an hour. Marlin are quite a fast fish and they can be next to you to being 300 metres from you in the matter of seconds. And it's about being on top of it. Uh, when live baiting, for example, so you're, you're throwing a live bait into a bait ball, quite often you're already on top of the fish pat. So the fish is, let's be honest, the TV's there. The fish is only three or four metres behind you and you're throwing a bait to it and you're feeding it out. So you're, you're, you tend to be on that fish quicker but when you're trawling a lure or a skip bait and by the time you knock that boat out of gear and the marlin's running that fish can be well over 150 200 meters from you and it's about getting that bow out of that line as quick as you possibly can the more line out the more line out the more chance of pulling hooks to do with drag pressure so the more pressure on that line and the bow in the line actually you might have thought you sat your for example a 24 kilo line you might have thought you've set your drag pressure at eight kilo which you have but the bloke behind you that did the drag pressure that pulled the line out was probably only two meters from you so therefore that line is eight kilo from that distance and the further you go out it might you might end up having 10 or 11 kilo uh, which you can pop leaders you can uh, you pop main lines and the like so you want to get on top of it as quick as you possibly can because like i said the bow in the line you don't know where the fish is it starts jumping especially lure fishing they'll throw lures out very easily so you want to get prepared have you have your boys on the boat or the girls on the boat ready to go to bring those other rods in or whatever you're doing get on top of that fish and i I always fight the fish any game fish barrel bluefin tuna marlin the likes um with the person the angler on the driver's side of the boat the reason for that is it gives me as the driver being on the right hand side of the boat on the starboard side you can visually see where that line is and where that fish is where if he's on the other side you can't see a lot so you want to have him behind you in the corner there braced him with this harness on or whatever he's doing in his gimbal and you want to be fighting the fish uh, driving the boat with the fish as close to the boat the whole time as you possibly can and that involves using your engine chasing it up and down on it now you're going to go down marlin fishing out of eden like i do every year and have a fantastic time you're going to see big game boats they hook up and they're in reverse the whole time those engines they have are all designed to use power in reverse they can spin the boats on the spot two big engines most of the time they can spin the boat in a circle and chase this marlin and that marlin will be literally behind that boat no matter of 25 meters half the time just literally just jumping out of the water and they're just reversing up trying to get out hard as they can we're in a small trailer boat you physically can't do that you'll probably f- kill your engine and you're going to cop a lot of water i was going to say and you just about drown yourself Leg- yep. legit and it's funny watching these big charter those big boats up there go and they're pushing water and the anglers like wiping water off their heads oh I'd, I'd be going forwards and because i don't like getting wet but <laughs> but in this trailer boat you want to position your boat so it's sort of side onto the fish and you can swing him to the back and up on him back up it's about working the fish up getting him close but then when you get him up to the boat that's when i'm using my reverse in a trailer boat that's when i'm starting to swing my boat around using the bottom using the engine to to control in reverse you have a lot more control you have a hell of a lot more control in reverse than you do in forwards so by getting the boat once the fish gets close i then into reverse and i'm using that engine to tail that fish like those big boats, getting a little bit wet with a nice 15 knot northerly slop on it. And it uh, and that fish will then give you the opportunity to grab the leader, then grab the bill of the fish, whether to get a photo or pop it off. So positioning yourself, your angler, 
fighting the boat, fighting the fish in gear, but tacking it down slowly, back and in forward and out and in reverse slowly. Then when you get it up, just in reverse, not too hard, just controlling the angles of your boat to be allow the person on the leader to be able to have a shot at grabbing this fish. This is Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, BF Goodrich's $150 cashback offer. Visit bfgoodrich.com.au for more info or to find your nearest participating dealership. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures big or small. Today's special guest is Stephen Napoli from Able Fishing Charters. G'day, Steve. Thanks for joining us on Real Adventures this morning. No problems, guys. Thank you very much for having me on board. Now, you are from Able Fishing Charters. Talk us through it, what you provide, the services uh, that you offer. Here at Able Charters, we're a small family-run business and we like to get our families out onto the water we offer our snapper, whiting, grid, flathead and gummy shark charters. We operate two vessels, one out of Williamstown and the other out of Wyndham Harbour. We also do party cruises, scenic tours, uh, spring racing carnivals that's just past us. So anything to do on the water, we'd like to take us out there and have a bit of fun. Steve. Fishing out of the top end of, uh, of Port Phillip Bay is uh, the ideal place to target some seriously big Port Phillip Bay snapper and have a great time with hopefully getting a few rods going at once. Next few months, you, hopefully restrictions ease a little bit more and you can have a few more people on your boat, but you're going to be heading out there searching for the snapper for the next few months. The areas you're going to be starting to look. So for us, around Williamstown, Altona has been fairly consistent. Uh, if we want to venture a little bit further across the Black Rock, uh, Ricketts Point has also been fairly good, but up our end of the bay, we'll start to find our biggest official come through, Point Cook, in the next next month. Point Cook, yep. What about in terms of the the um, the guiding business with river cruises and that sort of thing? How, talk us through the breakdown of fishing charters versus people just looking to go out and explore sort of Port Phillip Bay. So we do get we do get a, a big influx of people and businesses that want to do their work breakups and stuff like that. When we take them out there, it's a bit of an eye opener to them to go through the heart of the city, under the west gate, under the Balti, into the city and up to the Yarra. They they don't they don't get to see the waterway and the landmarks from the water. So to give them that opportunity is a is a big bonus to most Melbourne and Victorians to see all our landmarks from the water side of things. I'll tell you what, Steve, I'm looking at a picture here on your social media page and uh, that spread of uh, everything, I'll call it. Cheeses, <laughs> lunches. And the eskies look full at the back because the lid's not sitting on well. I think this is the place to go in a couple of, a couple of months. I think when that sun comes out a little bit more. Uh, definitely, matey. We do a full catering package from your full range of cold seafood to the hot hot eye fillet steaks. So the world's your, world's your oyster out here with us. Steve, over the past, uh, we'll say, a couple of weeks since the restrictions have eased and Melbourne started to travel, we're going to see facilities around the whole of Victoria, everywhere you go, are going to be quite busy and full with um, with people trying to launch their boats and head out for a fish. Uh, 
we've seen some disappointing uh, scenes right along from Altona, boat ramp, right through to Carrum, into St Kilda Marina of arguments and the likes and the frustration of launching your boat with two-hour waits and the likes. Uh, would like to hear you obviously living up there, see it a lot more than myself down the bottom end of Port Phillip Bay. Just want to hear your opinion on it and how the problem could be fixed. Progressively gotten gotten worse over the years, and it's got to the point now where tensions have flared, and we are seeing seeing violence at the ramp, and no one wants to see that. We're all out there to have a bit of fun and go fishing, but we've got these beautiful little areas along Williamstown, uh, the old BAE system warehouses that are no longer operational. There's about five six sheds there, but right at the entrance to uh, Jelly Brand, coming out of Williamstown. It's sheltered, it's covered. There would have to be at least room for 3,000 odd boats there. I can't see why we can't open this up to the public and have the opportunity to use it and for the government to get something back from it. Even if there is a small launching fee or something there for parking, at least it's another avenue to get out there. So ease the congestion at all these ramps would be, would be ideal. So you reckon don't particularly... Uh, put more ramps as such in. It's more invest in the invest quality. in yeah more ramps and the quality of them. Yeah, that's that's correct. So the facilities are there at the moment with most of our ramps, but we need more ramps. Uh, Point Cook along the coastal line on the or heading west, we've still got plenty of spaces in between Wyndham Harbour, Campbell's Cove, Point Cook, uh, coming back along the Altona foreshore. There's opportunities to put more ramps in. With Target 1 million being on fisheries mind for the past few years and obviously in the future years to come, it's it's only going to get busier and busier and especially with social media as well, Pat, and it's just going to continue to grow fishing, which is a great thing. But if the facilities can't facilitate it, then you're going to have literally World War II at each ramp and it's going to happen more and more. We are. Uh, Steve, before we let you go, just talk us through, it's obviously been an incredibly difficult year uh, for family run and local businesses right around Australia. How has COVID impacted you? Um, it must be wonderful just to be back on the water now. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a large weight off the shoulders to be able to earn an income. We've got three young kids under six and our wife that can only work one to two days a week as she's got to look after the kids. So I am the, the sole breadwinner for the family and makes it very hard to, to look people in the eye and say, okay, we might not be able to make this payment this week or we might not be able to make another one. Uh, we weren't able to get any assistance from JobKeeper or JobSeeker or anything like that. So the strain has definitely been real. And, yeah, can't thank people enough for, for staying true, getting back out on the water and coming back out with Able Charters. So if people do want to get in contact with you at Able Fishing Charters. What are, what's the number and what's the website, Steve? Give yourself a plug, Steve. Go for <laughs> it. You- <laughs> yeah, so it's ablefishingcharters.com. Uh, you can look us up on Facebook as well under Able Charters. Our phone number is 95023777 or you can give me a call direct on 0401 366 And how many does your boat facilitate uh, normally and now with COVID? So, once, so people can know. 18 people on one vessel and 10 on the other. Yep. And due to COVID, we can now take 10 on one and six on the other. Uh, or if you'd like to book a river cruise, we can take up to 28 people. 
Uh, then again, come down to COVID and we can only take 10. Well, get a group of 10 people together and go catch some snapper, I think, Pat. Thanks, Steve. Thank you very much for joining us on Real Adventures this morning. Steve from Able Fishing Charters. No problems, guys. Thank you very much for having me. It's now time for Red's Review. And Patrick, I know that you uh, got a set for your birthday a few years ago of these. And uh, I just want to ask you a question. Where are your binoculars? Look, the fact is I moved house and I'm not exactly sure where they are. So I've, I did, my wife spent a lot of money on binoculars. I hope you can find them. They're somewhere around the shed. But, <laughs> but quickly, when choosing marine binoculars, there's a few things that we think are really, really important. Fog-proof and waterproof features uh, are quite critical if you're going to use this for a marine application. Um, when it comes to binoculars, the, the price variation, Redmond, is obviously going to change significantly. Um, but one thing that is really quite important when it comes to buying a pair that is fog-proof is making sure that it's been dry nitrogen ja- uh, gas charged, which means it just stops the fogging because of the, the difference in conditions that you get, whether you, you know, you've left them on the dash and all of a sudden there's a bit of moisture around there and then you're fishing in 40-degree temperature the next day. Um, the variance in temperature is generally what, what causes the fogging. So that's an important part um, of any quality pair of binoculars. It also will help with corrosion because of um, the sealing mechanisms that need to be uh, in place for it. Magnification is a really important one as well. Um, high magnification is fantastic, but one of the challenges you'll get, if it is too high, then you're going to struggle to stabilise your images, especially when you're at sea, because it's so far away, and when the boat uh, the boat's moving up and down, um, it can sometimes provide a, a bit of an issue. So if you can get binoculars with an image stabiliser built in, it's highly recommended. On a boat, it makes sense. Yep. They, <laughs> they are a lot more expensive, but if you're happy to spend the money, it is something that's that's worth looking at. Um, generally, time 7 um, magnification is sort of what most really good binoculars will have. Generally, most binoculars anyway, but it's a bit like comparing iPhones to, to Androids, you know, Androids will come out and say there's a 108 megapixel camera. iPhones will say, well, there's 12 megapixel camera. There's, there's very little difference. It's just in the mechanisms that they actually use. When it comes to the, the different binoculars, and, and we've done a little bit of research around um, ones that we like, um, at the lower range of something that's still really quite capable, the Bushnell H2O binoculars we really like. Once again, times seven magnification. How um, much are they? Just under 300 bucks. Yep. So it's one that we really like. Pushing up a little bit, the Fujinon, which is a great brand when it comes to binoculars. Um, the WPC XL Mariner we really like at 400 bucks. Um, and then at the, the upper echelon, even though it's still not the, the three and a half grand that these binoculars can go into, and this is what I've, I bought. I bought these from, from Camera, ha- Cam- Camera House. They're about 850 bucks. the Steiner Navigator Pro um, with Compass binoculars built in. Do you think that it's it's a need on a boat binoculars, Pat? Your thoughts on that? Oh, no doubt it is, no doubt. And especially if you're going to game fish, which obviously you do a fair bit of, uh, you need to be able to spot birds, you need to be able to spot fish. Spot your mate catching whiting down the bay behind you. <laughs> spot your mate catching whiting, and it's a, it's a good investment. That was Red's Review. We'll see you after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. 
Welcome back to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge celebrating 150 years. It's time for Red's Tip. I spent a few days during the week getting the boat organised because I only picked it up a little time ago and uh, I just got straight into fishing. But bloody hell, I was unorganised. Where's your D hooker? Where's your shoot? Where's this? I don't know. It was like fishing on someone else's boat. And that was the reason I needed my boat back because a boat because organisation <laughs> and even sinkers. I left a body sinkers at home the other day offshore. I had to put and two ounces together on two, two, two ounces on to make a four ounce to get me down. So, and you hate being disorganised. On a, the only place I am organised is on a boat. Nowhere else. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 uh, just getting organised, and I, uh, I needed to get a new rocket flare because it was uh, my one. I actually don't know where that's gone, and I had to pick up a new extinguisher because, as the copper says... You're having a go about me losing my binoculars, and you've lost your rocket Pat, flares. I've been on 64 different boats in the past six months. I don't know which boat it's on. <laughs> Someone scored a $90 rocket flare. But uh, you've lost me. I had a little joke coming there, but I forgot what I was going to say. Good. Uh, funny. <laughs> no, me joke. It is funny. Water cop pulled my mate over, and he goes to me, he's like, on your fire extinguisher, it's got to be in the green as they call it not in the outside red and that's how you tell on the gauge the pressure gauge I think I might have even said this joke before and the, uh, it was not a joke it's true but it's funny the copper said to him he goes oh mate your uh, fire extinguisher's out of, out of, done he goes oh mate it's on the line like it's it's on the green on the line he goes the copper said to him mate you're not playing tennis <laughs> it's not bad, is it? it? Actually, that's not that's not a joke. That was true. So I like it. He let him off with a with a warning because he was a good bloke uh, and he got a new extinguisher. But anyway, get a safety bag. That's my tip. Get a safety bag. And what I mean by that is just everything together. Put it under the seat in the north bank. I've got a ripping cabin. So and storage. I've got two bunks on each side, and also I've got a, uh, other seats that lift up and put storage in there too. Uh, Get a safety bag. Everything is in the bag. Because when that copper comes up to you and says to you, mate, you got your safety gear, you can pull your bag out and just pass it to him. Yep. You're not looking there. for a torch, which you've had out looking at your, your... Have two torches, one at the back deck that you use to find things if you need to. Most boats have lights. But I know how many times people go into the cabin, pull their torch out, leave it down the side. Water gets into it, it corrodes it, and it wrecks it. You leave it in a waterproof safe bag in the cabin, you're going to have everything together. The only thing that I wouldn't have in there is my EPIRB, which sits, I've got it on the passenger side, on their legs there, it's actually built into the side of the north bank in the side there, where it has a brace where it sits in, and my fire extinguisher is also mounted on my side, of the side up, the, up the front. So they're the only two things that I won't have in there, just because if you need them, you need them. Where your flares, having them organised, grab the bag and bang, you're away. Everything's unpacked, and I've just got a lacquer band around them, Pat, just so I can... Uh, Instead of trying to open a flares packet if I need them, I just pull it out of the lacquer band and away I go. So that there is Red's tip. Get a safety bag, get organised. It's time for the flying gaff. It's pretty simple this week. There's been a kayaker who has tried to paddle to South Australia to escape Victoria's coronavirus <laughs> restrictions. Uh, not only was he turned back home, he was also hit with a jail sentence. I'm not A jail quite, sentence? He was. He was jailed for nine days. Um, really? Yes, and then with a suspended sentence with a good behaviour bond, so <laughs> suspended sentence. I don't know what to say right now. Don't try and skip the borders. That's <laughs> that's about all you need. Twenty third of November. We're allowed into New South. I'm excited, looking forward to that. You've been listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge celebrating one hundred and fifty years. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.